Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Birdie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, fellas. And Ham. Yep. And Hamish, your host, we're wrapping up all things Parramatta Eels for the 2020 season. We thought we'd wait until after the grand final so we could stick the boot into Penrith for that uh, colossal choke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, but let's get to the season review to start off with. All right, gents, I want you to start off with some positives, Birdie. Oh, we um, finished top four. I think that's that's a big positive because, um, you know, last year we finished fifth and we just barely finished fifth. Um, I think that's a big positive and... Um, I think the recruitment, like before the season started, I thought it was a big uh, a win already with the uh, recruitment of uh, Ryan Madison. I just think, you know, he brings that edginess and hardness to the team. And like, um, I know I don't want to sound like a, you know, like one of those bad fans where like, oh, we won the preseason. But um, I just thought that was, we, we were already winners before ball was even kicked. And even though we didn't finish off well, I just still think, um, yeah, those two positives to finish top four and the recruitment of um, Maddo. 40? Yeah, like Bertie said, um, it wasn't just a top four finish. I'm going back from doing the, the review for the TCT podcast. Um, our third place finish in our four and against of just over 100 are actually our best finish since 2005. So you're talking 15 years. Um, you know, it's a, a high, 15 year high benchmark for the club, and that's obviously fantastic. Um, and so what you're saying is we should sack BA right now. Yeah, sack sack BA, sack the coaches. You know, move on from all the players, get Dylan Brown into centre, all that sort of stuff. There's you know so many positive changes you can make. And I mean, like we said in the podcast before, and I spoke a few fellas before this, we know that BA isn't perfect, but he's obviously doing a pretty good job, and the team is still on an obvious upward trajectory at the moment. So it's not to say he hasn't got room to improve and room to tweak, but I think that in 2020, we saw vastly over, overwhelmingly encouragingly uh, encouraging signs sorry, about this team with its ability to grow and just to learn um, how to handle big games better. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the, the ride this year. Yes, it sucked to finish in the way it did. Um, I don't think it's a... Uh, Fun, I think it's a funny coincidence, rather, that much like 2017, this final series mirrored that year in that the Eels gave the Melbourne Storm probably their best challenge of the final series. And I know that Penrith got close, in, Penrith got close in the end, but that wasn't really a reflection. Up being managed back into the game <laughs> off that horrible shepherd try call. Oh, I have goodness. no idea how the bunker got that so wrong. Have they come out and said anything about that today? They haven't. Like, where the hell is the head of uh, the review committee he comes out and bloody yeah, takes all decisions? And does come on, honestly. We can review. But yeah, um, we gave we gave Melbourne a red hot shot um, up in Brisbane, uh, and 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 like uh, sorry to slip up my words, but um, one of the things that probably has gone on the radar is that we had the flying fly out in the, on the same day. We didn't have any chance to actually approach to get the, the the game the day before the way the Melbourne Storm did for the grand final. So we were on a restricted schedule, and we certainly had lots of self inflicted issues in that game. But we we, we really pushed the ultimate uh, the eventual premiers. So that's a good thing. But. But have a look at the other two games they played in. The games were over at halftime. Yeah. Like, they put bang, 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 three tries on Raiders before halftime. And then in the case of Penrith, what was four tries before halftime for, yes. for none? So, yep. you could make a, an argument that we played the better, although our second half was quite poor. The and, first half of that game were and right. And that's, that's right obviously going to be a focus, isn't it? Our two finals games, the second halves were not up to par. And that's where the games were lost. So that, that's something to take away and improve on, and that's something we can get to later. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this year, and I hope that a lot of fans did too, and don't take for granted what we managed to achieve this year just because we fell short of the grand final. Him. Um, three things, actually. First Ooh. one, um, defensively, at the start of the season, um, we were letting in less than two tries per game. I think we let in just over two converted tries by the end. Um, if you or In the regular season, obviously not counting finals. Um, so, you know, huge improvement on what we've done before. I think 2017, we did about just under three converted tries. 
per game, I think it was. So um, big improvement there. Um, uh, second one, intensity in three games. Again, it, it teetered off um, towards the end of the season. Um, but I thought our uh, attacking and defensive intensity is probably the best it's been um, on both sides of the ball. It's just, it was the best I can remember. Um, and three, our attack in the finals. I think it's a bit under understated. Um, you know, we scored uh, f- uh, four tries against each the Melbourne Storm and the Rabbitohs. Um, you don't often see team score four tries against the Storm ever. So that was, a, that, I think that's a huge positive. Um, it was just, well, I suppose that'll be a negative, but it was our, I thought um, our outside back combinations let us down um, defensively. Mm. But when you look at it in attack, the fact that we're put on those points, um, despite those outside back issues, I think it's a, I think that's a positive and a lot of people were questioning our attack um, and I, I suppose it was rightfully so, but it was good to say, it was good to show that um, when we do want to attack, we still can. All right. Well, I'll jump in for, for some positives. Uh, as uh, 40 touched on historic since 2005, uh, what a, what a good season it was. Um also want to add into on on the back of uh, COVID interruptions, you know, the bottom half of the eighth, I think we saw a lot of players that didn't put in during that break, which led to terrible performances when they came back. They were just lacking in fitness and well behind the eight ball, where I thought the majority of our squad, they handled that period where they were in lockdown extremely well and came back fit and firing. And I think we saw that in that first half of the season where they just powered through just about everybody. Um, another positive is the two grand finalists, Storm and Penrith. We beat both those teams during the regular season, albeit an understrength uh, Storm squad. Um, and as Phil Gould said, you know, it was just a fluke that we beat Penrith, just like uh, Penrith were down 16 0, but well ahead of the Storm in that game on the grand final. Oh, dominating. Dominating. Um, and then. Um, other positives, I thought the the step up of our forward pack this season. Uh, you know that starting combination of Reg Campbell Gillard and Junior Paulo. It's one of the best in the NRL. Those two starting props, that tandem, and I think you throw in Nathan Brown. Uh, we're right up there in the top five, I would say, in the NRL for starting middle row forwards. And then if you throw into our uh, second row, um, provided Sean Lane can find some consistency in twenty twenty one. Uh, between him and Maddo, uh, and you put those five fours together, it's fantastic. But one of the downfalls, I guess, which we'll get to negatives, is that bench impact. But hopefully when we get to uh, some signing news, that might be able to be alleviated in 2021. Um, the other positives, uh, Dill Brown, I thought for the most part this season, took a real step forward, but for that injury he suffered uh, later in the year. Um, he had a mostly uninterrupted year through injury, uh, where we saw in 2019 that you know he had those back fractures and that ruled him out for a long period of time. I thought he was really good and it, it was obvious that we were scoring a lot of our points down that left edge um, and that was conducted by Dill Brown for the majority of the season. And I thought he really stepped up in those periods where Mitch Moses was out of the team too. And um, I hope seeing him next year to take a more hands-on role in the controlling aspects of our game because I think Mitch is best when he is uh, running a short side or or being that second receiver, whereas I really like to see Dill Brown step up and be that first receiver and start dictating play, which I think we saw him do really well back in the junior grades coming through. Um, other positives, uh, Clinton Gutherson, career year. Oh. What's that, three years back now from, from ACL? Um, and, yeah, he's going from strength to strength. Dally M, uh, fullback of the year, uh, robbed of the uh, Dally M, but, you know, the, those awards are so did, fraudulent. Did we ever find out who voted on that last game? Come on. Uh, I'm not sure, but 
Yeah. There, <laughs> there, needs, to be, to, uh, there needs to be an investigation. <laughs> I was listening to the uh, um, oh, what's that podcast? The the um, oh, fuck back free boom rookies. Um, uh, Twill this week in uh, league. This week in league. Yeah, and they're Manly fan and Penrith fan respectively, and they were both saying that Gutho was robbed in that last uh, game of the season Even to not get that, any more than yeah, one, uh, just the one vote to split. Exactly to split with Whiten, but um, yeah. No, but I thought Whiten, you know, he was fairly consistent over the yeah, year. And, and, and Whiten's performances there. were in line of how you win a Dalian, weren't they? It's sort of like a, a good but not great team in Canberra who I know who they went they went furthest in the finals, but they um had a, a red hot run where he was right at the centre of it, you know, jacking all the three point performances. So it, it exposed the flaws of the Dalian process, something that we're all well aware of. And while it was good to see Guffo get the uh fullback of the year and yes, it sucked to see him miss out in the Dalian. Fans shouldn't be too aggrieved because um, in, in many ways, Jared Hang was a beneficiary of it too, even if he was the best player in the NRL in those two years as well. Yeah, um, but if you read too much into Dalian's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just trying to think, uh, I don't know, you know, outside backs, there was a little bit of regression, so perhaps that goes into the negatives. Um, all right, well, I'll start us, we'll do a little bit of a snake draft here and go back in the negatives snake back um negatives outside backs i thought sivo started the year really well but um after that knock on his knee against manly um you know he was a shadow of himself for the for the rest of the year and unfortunately resulting in that mcl against the south sydney team uh in the finals uh ferguson as well i think we all know his troubles with his right uh is it his right knee i can't remember i believe it is his right yeah his right knee and it just seemed that the fractured year um, didn't help him out um, in respect of, of how that knee uh, played out through the year. And you could see he was hampered by it, but um, it's something we touched on out of our back three. Gutherson, of course, was making a hell of a lot of metres, but the, our two wingers, we, we certainly rely on them to make metres coming out of our end. And whilst they did it, it wasn't to the same degree as we had in 2019. Um, so... Those two players will be looking for a bounce back season next year. Although Ham has other thoughts on who might be on that uh, <laughs> that left wing. <laughs> um, jumping in then to uh, the centres, Wanga Blake uh, obviously picking up that shoulder reco uh, in the off season. His defensive issues on that right edge were exposed time and time again throughout the year. Um, so hopefully a full preseason with the boys can get him back uh, into a working relationship defensively with both Fer- with Ferguson and his inside man Moses and 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 Madison uh, because yeah you just can't be leaking like that down an edge and our scramble defense was really good and covered for it a lot of times but your structures need to be a lot better in order to not be exposed so badly uh, obviously the terrible news about Michael Jennings and and I think we've already discussed it it's unlikely we'll see him back in the NRL um, and that's quite a sad thing, seeing as he was having, you know, the last two years had been sort of renaissance, but I guess there might be a reason for that. We, we, we hope not, but yes, there, there is an underlying reason if that is the case. So assume innocence um, until proven guilty, but it's not looking good, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The other regression candidate, of course, is Mitch Moses, but I think we can put the majority of that down to uh, the calf tear, um, you know, twice. He, he, what he did it in the preseason and then redid played, it played during the it year and then did it uh, in the Canberra game before half time. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So um, unfortunately for uh, Moses, after a career year last year, he sort of took a bit of a step backwards. And um, you know, the, the coming out of the grand final, it's so funny to see that the way that different players are scrutinised after mm. losing in a big match. 
obviously Nathan Cleary had a, a career year, but that was on the back of uh, a lot of other players stepping up in that Penrith team. Uh, you know, especially at middles, but also his halves partner in Luai. But he was uh, Mr. Invisible in that grand final. And if I've seen any scrutiny, it's been you can't you can't put anything on Cleary for that game because his his forwards drop so much ball. Whereas if Mitch Moses was to have it, I think he did have a game where we just dropped a lot of pill. I think it was against Penrith, actually. And uh, it was all that Mitch Moses couldn't stand up in a big game. Um, but, you know, obviously we can't say the same about Cleary in that grand final. Uh, it just seems ridiculous the amount of scrutiny that Moses gets put under yeah, compared to other halves. It's it's true that I think for a lot of players, especially the high-profile players, there's almost a script that writes themselves for the media, and um, they're happy to push that unless there's some sort of incredible deviance uh, that is almost irrefutable in terms of the evidence presented in the game. And for Mitch, unfortunately, he's gotten the reputation of being a flat-track bully and not a big-game player. And it's a shame because prior to that calf injury, I, I think even though he wasn't being flashy, he was actually doing a lot of game management stuff really, really nicely for us. And then, you know, he obviously sort of tried to rush back from the calf injury. It wasn't 100%. Um, he said at some point, I think after the Tigers game, that it felt pretty good. But he still just lacked that ability to plant his foot and just take on the line the way he does and he, when he's so dangerous. So, yeah, yes, it was a regression year for him. But I do expect him to bounce back next year in 21. And then also on the negatives, that bench impact. Uh, obviously, Ooh. we had to cycle through a lot of – well, that was one of the underwritten um, parts of our season was the effect of injuries. Um, now, I know there wasn't a lot of season-enders like uh, some other clubs, like the Roosters in particular had a couple of season-enders. Um, Nearly with their hookers had a million season-enders there too, unfortunately. Yeah, Raiders also had their, their hooker go out. But ours, it just seemed to be a constant sort of rotation of those uh, bench players who, who really do make a difference, like your Murata Neocores, your Oregon Confucius, your Raymond Stones, all uh, spending time on the sideline through injury this uh, year and uh in their absence, it was difficult to sort of build that consistency from the bench, which would allow for, you know, Junior Paulo and and Regan Campbell-Gillard and Nathan Brown to have a spell um, and to be able to keep up that intensity when they're off. Like, there's always going to be a drop with your bench, but the drop was just so big that a lot of times in second half, we couldn't overcome that, you know, 20, 30-minute period where we had our bench on. Um, and that's something that will be to be looked at next year, how we're going to be rotating our middle forwards uh who's going to be getting those bench spots and keeping that consistency there. So when they do go off, uh, we've we've got uh, somebody ready and rearing to go. Um, and then also, I, I, I don't think it was too much of a regression this year, but uh, Reed Marnie, especially his long kicking game, uh, it seemed to lack what it had last year. Yeah, he, he, pop-capped, um, so, he pop-capped a few kicks, didn't he? Sort of got underneath him and just ended up making him go nowhere, so... And it well could be that the foot break that he just didn't have the confidence sure. and, uh, that he has had in it's, previous It is seasons, so easy to forget just, that he broke yeah. his foot because that was in the COVID break. So it's just like, what? He did an AC joint injury, didn't he? No, he broke his foot too. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, just a couple of those things, those, those niggling injuries, you're never going to get it. Well, Penrith did this year. It's not very often that you get one of those years where you have almost zero injuries. I think their only significant one was Kurt Capel, who was their bench second rower. For the whole season, and I think like uh, Apostar Coruscant had a couple of a couple of games out, but I think that was more preventative rather than anything else. And I'd like to see us hopefully uh, mitigate those injuries next year. But again, there wasn't a lot of soft tissue injuries; there were more bone breaks, which you can't really account for. That's just luck of the draw. All right, back to in the snake, Hamish um, or Ham. Either or doesn't matter. Uh, I think BA's bench selection at times was poor. Um, especially I thought in the finals when um, we knew, I, th- I thought we knew what, we know what's 
good for us, and that's going right up the middle and keeping that uh, intensity uh, through the middle. And I thought uh, Kane Evans had shown that uh, he wasn't up to it, so I would have liked to have seen Ogun Kafusi there. Um, yeah, I suppose that might be through sort of inexperience in terms of Kafusi's inexperience, but I just thought um, BA's bench selection and rotations were still, again, poor. Um, the the drop of in, as big drop of intensity in defence. Um, when we come back out of COVID break, we were just we were smashing teams, and I, I knew it wasn't going to we weren't going to be able to keep it up. But I didn't think it would drop off as much as it did um, by the end there, and it just seemed like our right side um, just lost all faith in each other. Uh, as good as a, a tackler Ryan Madison is, there was a few times where he was caught. Lazy at marker, I thought, um, particularly in that South game where we lost 38-0. Every time Maddo was at marker, they'd jump out to the left and inevitably make a line break or score. Um, I think Maddo needs to watch out for that. He needs to push hard for marker there because usually uh, Reedy um, slots in behind him. So you got, you got Reed and Mitchell Moses defending on a, on a short side and um, you, you don't want <laughs> those two defending next, you know. Decent defenders, but you don't want them defending next to each other there. Um, other negatives. It's really like I find it really hard when I think look, obviously there was negatives in games and I was mad at them in games, but looking back at the season as a whole, it's hard to do that because we finished fourth, like third. Third. That's right. Sorry. Pardon my <laughs> French. Um geez. Can you come back to me? I will think of some, I'm sure. Yeah, sure, we can throw back after we do 40 and birdie 40. Yeah, I mean, Hamish and, and Ham to a lesser extent, since we we got off the hook there, um, you covered a lot of fantastic stuff there. Um, I think just at times our handling was so frustrating. Um, we, we It was weird because we, we sort of flicked between way too conservative and then way too aggressive, and it wasn't a real like, read on it. And I think like there was a game against South Sydney where obviously we ended up getting blown out, but we came out really aggressive and upbeat and attack, but we pushed the passes down our right edge and made a couple of errors, and um, South went on to capitalise from there, and we just went into our shells. And then we know we just couldn't get to our kick, and it just hurt us so often against Penrith in the second match there where we lost 20-2. to um, Just another of those games where we were obviously were up against quality opposition because they went deep into the finals to the grand final qualifier into the grand final in the case of South Sydney and Penrith. But regardless of the quality of our opposition or the calibre of our opponent, we were our own worst enemies on the day. And I think that, once again, we spoke about it last year, I think that the difference between our best and our worst can still be a little bit too volatile at times. Um, when we're on, as we were at the start of a season, and even in, at times against Melbourne and South Sydney in the finals, um, we, we we knew just intrinsically we're a finals team. We can make it to the big dance. But just at times we sort of gamed ourselves um, and we sort of got into our own heads. And I think that's part of the team maturing and developing across the, the course of the next year because it's easy to forget that we do have a young team still especially in our key positions where you've got uh, Quentin Gufferson and Mitchell Moses as your senior players, and they're no old heads by any means. Um, and we saw with Dylan in the final against South Sydney too, and it's you don't blame him for it, but you know when chasing points, he made some bad decisions. And that's just the nature of getting into the spotlight, into the big game, and understanding how to handle that better next time. So like, like Hamish covered with a lot of things, I think that the bench was really frustrating at times. Um, the back line certainly gave us the shit to, <laughs> defensively. Um, and it's funny because when we switched out... Uh, Fergo, because of the both the Michael Jennings suspension and Fergo's uh, chronic knee issue, we had a rookie come in and seemed to gel really nicely with um, Wanga Blake. So that's something worth pursuing in the preseason. But as, mu- as much as I want to be negative, once again, just I want fans to remember just how good the season was on the big picture. Um, I think it was just we we lost we lost our confidence like, and it was very very hard to get it back. Like 
uh, we started off the even after the break. We were like everything we did was positive, and you know um, we trusted each other in defense, especially like um, and. They like they knew like their defense was going to win them games, and towards the end, I think they just lost their confidence. And you know, maybe that was because the the team started to like have plays in and out of the squad. And um, you know, like it, towards the final in the finals, we we seemed a bit hyped and pumped. Like Gufferson was pumping the truth, but as soon as one bad thing went, it just broke us. And I just feel as though you know, um, they got to just still believe in each other because you know, the beginning of the beginning of the break, we were dominating teams, we were smashing them and, you know, we're keeping teams to less than two tries and they just got to, they know they can defend like that. So it's not like it was a fluke or anything, you know, like it's not like, um, it's like the Bulldogs when they win towards the end of the year, like they know they can do it. So just have some faith and believe, you know, that's that's what got you, that's what brought you success early in the season. And just like you guys said, the bench, like if you look at our team, you know, one to 13 is like, it's set in stone and, you ideally would like what fifteen, maybe sixteen, to a degree, to have like sixteen solid players and then have one flexible option. But on the bench, you know, week to week, like we didn't know who was on. Like you had too many combinations, and like like Kane Evans was like he was okay at some, had a couple of good patches. Um, Davy was good, but then you had like Will Smith, Stefano. Like, what's the point of having? Like, I'm looking back at it now, and like I know we trolled the Tigers, but really, was it worth worth it keeping him because he did nothing for the season for us. And then Kafusi and like like if you look at our bench, the only one and I'm not trying to sound biased, but Murata's the only one that you lock in each each going into next year. And maybe Stone as well, but I just we have to have like set players, set in stone, like say one to sixteen. This is what we're gonna have each week. And then the other two could be like, you know, your game plans for the week. All right, this week we're gonna have a lighter bench, but I just feel as though everyone was jumping in and out of place and yeah, we just lost lost rhythm towards the end and yeah, whether or not that's that was playing 18 weeks in a row or 20 weeks in a row, whatever. But yeah, just, yeah. It's like, I don't, to use an analogy or whatever, like we're on the tracks, like we're training on the tracks and then towards the end, we just got off the tracks and we just tried so hard to ride the course back and yeah, it didn't work. So yeah. Yep. Him. Um, oh, I suppose it's just expanding on what pretty much everyone has said. is just like, you look at early in the season, the first five rounds in particular, we knew what won us games in those, in those instances, like just hitting hard and then, Eventually, the other the opposition team will get tired, and we have that upper upper, upper elite fitness to get over the top of them. Even like look at the Panthers; it was the only game they lost until the grand final was against us. And you watch that game back again, and they are up early, but we just kept going at them, going at them, going at them. And it was uh, Wanga Blake and Nathan Brown; those two put it on for ten minutes, and that's all we needed to beat them. Like you look at the Dogs game; we only lost eight two, we won eight two, but like for sixty minutes, we were just at them. The whole time, and then we eventually scored. Look at the Titans game; we're at them until the fiftieth minute. It was only like eighteen six, I think, and then eventually we just blew straight past them. Same with the Broncos game, um, the Roosters game; they were just too good on that day. But yeah, I think we just we went away from what won us games early on. I think that's a negative, and I suppose it goes back to what uh, Forty said: was it's just inexperience in the spine. Like Reedy's only just played over fifty games; Dill's played under fifty games, and. What, Moses, 150, Gutho, 100? Yeah, Gutho hit his 100 for para um, midway through the season, didn't he? Now he played a handful of games for Manly, so he's just yeah. over the 100 threshold, so far from an old head by any means. So, yeah, like those two, your six and your nine, where we've got to expect them to get better for next year, you know, just by experience. And even though those two games we lost in the finals, um, they're big game experience, which um, I think as the grand final showed, that's what matters come finals time. The good grand final time. 
I think on, on just touching on that is is one of our deficiencies when things are going well. What you know, we're right on top. But if again it crept into it at the back end of the year is when things were going against us, there didn't seem to be that mental resolve. Like you know, if you make an error inside your own fifty, uh, there wasn't a real big resolve to then make sure that wasn't uh, exacerbated by a, a try scoring opportunity or a penalty or something for the the opposition to go up by two. And I thought we took some steps this year into alleviating or, or, or trying to fix those mental lapses. Uh, but uh, there's still work to be done. But as Ham, you touched on, one of the positives there is is our spine got some more uh, finals experience. So I think Dillbags has had four finals games now. Uh, Moses has had a stack now. Gutherson, I think he missed the 2017 series. So he's also had four finals games. And then Reedy, again, also had four finals games. So the, the more finals, more big games that they're playing in, uh, the better they're going to be for it. And um, now they've had that experience, uh, as we've touched on uh, previously, the next step is to get to that prelim, prelim and then on to a grand final, um, which, again, I've got all the uh, confidence in the world that we can build on these last two years into next year and, and take that next step and, and go a week or two weeks further. Yeah, I just think, you know, over the off-season, Mitchell should be watching a bit of footage and, like, just show him, like, get the sp- sit the spine down and just go, all right, this is how we were winning games, regardless if we won the game in the end or we didn't. This is how we were on top. This is how we played. Don't worry about the negative stuff. Just go in there, show them the positive stuff and go, this is how we played. All right, we just need to do it a bit more often. Like, um, keep the ball in play, but kick to a corner, you know. Re- um, short balls around the ruck. See, it was when I thought, our halves were playing too wide and Reedy was trying to, or was, I'm not saying trying to, because he did do them, those 20, 30 metre passes from the ruck, which are hard to do. I think it slows, I think it slows us down a little bit because it takes time to get to our halves. If we want to get the ball to our halves, we've got the biggest one in the game in the middle, Junior Paulo, you know, Nathan Brown can pass the ball. So if we want those, our halves to be wider, but we, yeah, yeah, if we want to get the ball to them and play, have them play wider, we can use those guys in the middle a little bit better, I suppose. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure our attack was. Uh, you know, we did score a lot, a uh, few points, but I'm not sure. Yeah, those those 20, 30 meter cutout passes from dummy half, I think, slowed us down a little bit. I thought if if we play it the way I just said, or our halves play a little bit closer, because even then, um, you've got Clint Gutherson, who's probably the best ball playing fullback in the game on the sweep. So you bring your halves closer, you give Gutherson a little bit more time. You got. Uh, Sean Lane and Ryan Madison, who can also play uh, ball play. So, you know, we've got the ball players there. I'm just not sure if our attacking structure was to the way that our team is made up. Yeah, I agree with that, Ham. I, I think there needs to be a bit more thinking in those attacking structures, the linking between the two players and playing, you know, both sides of the field, especially like I know Gutho sweeps both sides, but I wouldn't mind seeing our half sweep both sides as well. Oh, just it'd open up so many options. Like, you know, you, you could have both halves on the right hand side, but there's still that threat of Gutherson, Junior Paulo, and uh, Sean Lane on the left-hand side. So it's still, you know, we've got the players there that can do it and ball play and cause chaos for the uh, opposition, but we just we just weren't doing it as, as often as we should. All right. Unless anybody has anything else to touch on, we might just uh, wrap up the season review there. Um, that's a three final ser- series in the last four years, um, which is our best since, what was that period, 2000? 05, 06, 07. 07, yeah. Um, so, you know, you're talking about turning a club around. It's taken uh, a fair bit of time, but I think since 
uh, getting done for salary cap trading in 2016 and the installation of the new uh, board and and the new regime at the Parramatta Leagues and also in the football club department, uh, we've come along in leaps and bounds. And I think, you know, you've... If you, if you haven't listened to, listen to the Cumberland Throws, the tip sheet, and especially those uh, with Bernie Gurr coming into, he's such a fantastic footballing mind, and I've got no doubt that he has really put in the legwork to set this club up for success in the future, even though he's not at the club anymore. Yeah, um, but Bernie I is think still again, massively passionate what, about the club. It's crazy, isn't it? That's what I was just about to move into is, uh, you know, if, if anybody can take anything out of this crap that's going along in the background, it's one or two agitators um, that missed out because we actually have a professional board in place now and they wouldn't have met, met the standards. Like they might have gone back in, you know, the old dark day. Oh, Hamish, you there? Need to have any say in the coaching staff or how the, the football operation is being run because it's a daylight between what was happening in that period and what's happening now. And where you've got a team that's gone from not making the finals for almost, uh, what, seven years or whatever it was to being a regular consistent finals uh team now, um, you know, the next step is to be vying for grand finals, prelims and grand finals. And if you want to revert back to where we were between 2010 and 2016, you're not looking in the best interest of the club. All right. Well, after that soapbox, uh, let's move on to some news items. Eels players in the Origin squad. So we might have already touched on it, but Reg Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo, Clint Gutherson and Nathan Brown all, all making the cut. Um, how many... Is it a squad of 28 for the three games? That sounds right. It's 27, 27 or 28. 27. 27. There you are. So um, depending on injuries, because uh, you can only bring in players who are within the bubble, uh, we hope to uh, see a fair few of those Eels players getting some game time, and that touches into you know big game experience. So uh, Gutho will get a couple more games. We expect him to play at centre. Uh, we expect at least Junior to play uh, in the front row. If not, um, Freddie named his origin team, which had both those uh, Junior and Reg starting props for New South Wales. So um, we know that he's a real lover of uh, Junior Paul, especially <laughs> his ball-playing ability, and so is Brad Arthur. Uh, not Brad Arthur. Of course, Brad Arthur is, but uh, <laughs> Brad Fittler um, seems to enjoy that. And, and Brad Fittler's talked about Reg as well some t- in parts of this year. So I'd expect to see those three players. Um, Nathan Brown, he might be unlucky, or he might get a game off the bench or something like that, I assume. Um, but we'll just have to see how the squads are actually named come game time. I've got my tickets for game two in Sydney uh, in Blatchies, so uh, looking forward to that. I've been the last couple of years in a row, so it's been um, it, it's always a good experience, but it'll be a new experience given that it's going to be half capacity. You'll be the one wearing the blue wig, right? Yeah, blue wig. <laughs> Better look out for that. Yeah, I'll be behind the goalposts this year. Uh, last year we were sort of in the corner at, at the end that Teddy scored the, the game-winning or the series-winning try-in, um, but we're a bit more uh, straight on behind the goalposts this year. So, um, But still in that first tier at ANZ, so not up in the second deck. Uh, next, Ken Thorne at medal, uh, of course, taken out by Clint Gutherson. Um, wasn't really too much of a uh, secret, so he was going to take out that uh, award this year. Um, so congratulations on Gutho in uh, taking out the Ken Thornet medal. Um, who took it out last year? Was it Moses? I can't remember. Ah, good yeah, Moses. Because he finished um, third at the LEM, so... Yeah. 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 So um, the other winners are Junior Paulo taking out the Jack Gibson Coaches Award uh, following the season that saw him named in the 2020 New South Wales Blue Squad. Andrew Davey was awarded the Eric Growth Rookie of the Year Award following his debut season. 
Uh, finished the year with 10 NRL games after making his debut in the round t- 10 clash against Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Uh, the community, the Ray Price NRL Community Award went to Reed Marnie for his impact in the community. Um, and I think we all know that he does some fantastic work uh, off the field, uh, especially with uh, giant steps. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been doing that for for. Yes, ever since he was a junior. So there's a, there's a whole stack of those kids. When I say kids very loosely since they're growing up so quickly. But um, <laughs> uh, Reed, Oregon, all those boys, they do a lot of work with um after graduating from the Giant States program, which is helped run by a uh, one-time paramedical and great bloke Steve Dresler. So it's great to see Reed and those other boys sticking around and helping out um, um people with um autism and Asperger's and whatnot. And then the Michael Cronin Club Person of the Year goes to Don Musson, who was named the recipient of that award due to his commitment throughout the 2020 season, in particular during the COVID-19 biosecurity bubble. And then lastly, the Blue and Gold Army Player of the Year, voted on by Eels members, was Clint Gutherson, also not uh, really a surprise in that award. Um, So congratulations to all those winners. And um, yeah, that's fantastic uh, stuff for all of those uh, winners. All right, let's move on to the next one. Signings for 2021. Um, I know straight after the loss to Souths, we wanted to know what the hell's going on for next season. Uh, so we have signed three players. And I just have to say that <laughs> Opacek, he, he does have a bearing resemblance to Mitch Moses in the picture that's on the club's website. <laughs> He's a bit of a ringer. Uh, but we have signed uh, Isaiah Papali'i from the Warriors, who has played 59 NRL games for the Warriors since 2017. Uh, so more of an edge front rower um, who they tried to transition into the middle uh, this year without as much success as you would have hoped. Um, so I think he'd probably be an edge sort of replacement for uh, a player like Andrew Davey. Um, and I think we've got views of putting Murata Neokore more as a middle impact forward. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, provided he has a good preseason, Papa Lee makes that bench as a sort of an edge specialist. Or even just as that, um, what Murata was before is that hybrid sort of. If we need him to, he can play on the edge. If we need him in the middle, he can play there. So you know he'll get a few minutes, but yeah, he might be able to play that sort of in between position that Murata was sort of playing before. And then you've got Tom Opacic, who came from Brisbane, and then the North Queensland Cowboys. He's played forty three games in. Three Past years. two seasons, yeah, three years, I think it is. In the, no, he made his debut in 2016, so four oh. years or something. Um, we expected him to be more of a, a depth signing, but given the Michael Jennings news, he, he may be uh, parachuted into a centre, starting centre role for next season. Mm. It's a, I mean, it's going to be an interesting battle in the centre spot, isn't it? Because you've got Opajik, as we meant there. Um, I think uh, Han was chatting about potentially converting Hayes Dunst to the centre at some point. Um, that's an option too. Um, there's some young kids that are really talented and, and Will Panasini and Sean Russell, but I don't think they're anywhere near NRL caliber yet just in terms of physique. Even though Panasini is a big boy, it's still a lot of growing to do. So, yeah, it's a big question mark, and I suppose it's something that could still be filled uh, externally by any means. And then lastly, Joey Lussick, uh, not the Lussick that uh, a certain person on uh, Eels Discord wanted, but <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Joey Lussick, he was uh, in the Eels Pathways in the year 2415, apparently, and 2015. It's been like two weeks, and they still haven't fixed up that time. <laughs> 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 um, and then uh, he made his debut for Manly in 2017 and spent the last three years in playing for Salford uh, Red Devils in the UK Super League. Uh, so expect him to be more of a uh, depth option at hooker, given that we didn't really have a depth option at hooker this year. What's with players, uh, juniors coming back home? Like, is it 
they miss the food or they miss the water or something like <laughs> you know it just seems like we we, t- we tend to bring them back home and you know it's, it's positive because you know we lose them like sometimes we regret losing them um to big contracts as juniors but yeah it's a bit um like a common um occurrence right now you know it, it's funny, isn't it, Bertie? And I know that a lot of people, and not just on the Discord, but across social media, were disappointed that it wasn't Freddie Lossick that we mentioned, Nab, who's had a good season for the Roosters. But um, Joey's done a really good job for South, and I was actually you know, a bit nonplussed by the signing initially, and I'm still not going to say he's going to be a superstar for us, but I went and had a little bit of digging, and he's actually been pretty handy for South, and he got him to the grand final last year in the EPL, or ESL rather. It'd be pretty impressive if he took South to the, um, the uh, not that they've got a grand final, but to the past the post in the EPL. But he also got him to the Challenge Cup this year. In the were knock- they in the? They weren't in, pre- in the Super League last year, were they? They were in the. Uh, weren't they in the division below? I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain. So I'll have a quick. But even game. then, like he got them. Yeah, got them to the grand final, um, and he scored a try this year in the se- like the semi final of the Challenge Cup to get them into the grand final. So he's done a good job there, and all we're asking for him is to come in and deputise Reed Marnie. Maybe play off the bench every now and then, but in general, if Reed goes down, we need someone that can pass the ball comfortably off the ground and run our system. And we didn't have that in 2020. It was real scary when Reed broke his foot in round two um, before the COVID break because we're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Sorry, no, you were right before. Yeah, it was a Super League grand final. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I I, I watched that uh, Challenge Cup final after we found out that he'd uh, signed. So, and, you know, he did some good things. I thought there was a – he squared the hookers up well, ran pretty well. Um, and there were some poor things, and that's probably why he's coming over, coming over as a uh, backup, and not, you know, pushing. He, you know, he probably won't push Reed for the starting spot. Yeah, unlikely. Just a depth signing, but you know, it's going from no depth to some depth, so you can't really complain on that signing. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. So yeah, they're almost mostly fringe sort of guys. Uh, we'd expect probably uh, Papali'i to play and Opacic to play. Uh, depending on where our centre depth lies and, and what the bench rotation is going to be. Uh, but, you know, they're not major signings, and we don't expect any major signings considering our top 13 is pretty much locked in moving on next year and, and into 2022. Um, all right, the last one is the Eels 2021 Tasha Gale squad has been announced or confirmed. Um, so if you want to link to that, that'll be in the show notes. Um, I'm not going to go through all the names because I don't want to disrespect uh, those uh, young women by uh, butchering their names. Uh, but uh, if you, you want to have a look, those players listed will be required to attend an induction on the following evening, which will be the evening of 29th of October. Um, and once players confirm their position with the team manager, they will supply the score. Sorry, I'm just reading through that. Uh, the rest of our squads for the under-14s, 15 senior development, and with our Jersey flag squads will be announced on Monday, the 26th of October, but it's now from, the 27th. From. Uh, from. There yeah, we are. I, I got caught with that too. There's Don't some, worry. Some, um, some legal, uh, legal, legal speak right there. Yeah, they, uh, I missed the from. <laughs> <laughs> the qualifying. No, I, I caught that because I was all yesterday and all today looking going, they haven't bloody updated the squads. And then I went, oh, no, from. Bastard. <laughs> but, yeah, I, there's actually a, a nice little video on the uh, – on the Tasha Gale squad, how they had their trials a little while back. Um, Joey Grimer mentions that last year there was just under 20, I believe, that trialed, or maybe just over 20. Uh, this year they had over 80 trialing. Mm. So um, you can see that the NRLW has a huge momentum. Uh, it's it's trickling down, isn't it? It's really cool. Oh, it's 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 really good to see, and um, you know, hopefully in the coming years the um, NRLW expands 
beyond uh, four teams. So that, that, that that's something that I really want to see. Like it, it's just interesting. Like they, they play good football. I'd like to watch more NRLW. So yeah. I do hope that and, they know, can expand I, it. I thought the inclusions of the uh, rugby sevens women's were very good. Mm. Charlotte Caslick was a fantastic player. Um, thought she was unfortunate to miss out on the grand final there. Um, Elliot Green, uh, Georgia Page had a good run. Um, yeah, so there's there's women out there that are you know can play sport, and we're starting to see the uh, under 19s there, Tasha Gales next year. So I, I imagine that um, all numbers for the Tasha Gales across the uh, New South Wales competition uh, will have increased for the trials. So hopefully, a stronger competition. Um, fingers crossed for more opportunities for them in the future. Um, to play rugby league professionally and make a career out of it. Oh, oh sorry. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, the pregnant pause. God, what was coming? Yeah. Uh, Going to take a dramatic pause. <laughs> are you in a dramatic pause at the moment or are you just uh, sad? I'm sad. <laughs> oh, God, I love Futurama. I've been watching it with my That my is daughter. a quality show. I do love Futurama. Yes, uh, unfortunate that it did wrap up, but I thought that the final two seasons were two of the best. Yeah, good things oh, yeah. must it come to start, an end. From start to finish, it was it was a classic. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, I was just saying, uh, good luck to the Tasha girls, uh, young ladies who were picked for that team, and uh, we hope to see in the preseason and uh, smashing into it in the twenty twenty one season. And we also hope to see some more junior teams uh, teams rather uh, named in the ensuing weeks. Uh, Ham. Uh, there was some junior carnival action on. Uh, did you oh, have anything to report from those? I was just going to say, don't forget the Harold Matthews and SG Ball squads were also announced. Oh, have they been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologies, um, I haven't seen those as yet, oh, but I'll pop them in the show notes. All good. Um, you know, if, if you've been listening to the podcast, you would have recognised uh, most of these names as um, uh, they've now increased the Harold Matthews from under-16s to under-17s and SG Ball from under-18s to under-19s so that the... Um, the young players didn't miss out on the year. So, um, yeah, there's a few few new ones, um, uh, one from Queensland, one from Northern Rivers, uh, one from Newcastle and one from Penrith. I, I, I think Forty and I might do a, a juniors podcast um, together, maybe, if he wants to. Yeah, 100%. Once we, once we get the squads announced, then we can just do some digging into the new faces and, and who's returned and where they're playing because I'm expecting a bit of a shake-up. Um, in terms of the SG ball and flag talent, um, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of the senior ball graduate or graduate senior ball uh, players who are in their last year of eligibility just straight up starting flag this year. So, yeah, well, there was a lot that weren't. Uh, they've only named a, a squad of twenty five. So, um, there's a few that played at the start of the year that you know because of the uh, change of age eligibility, which is still uh, eligible. Actual relevant um, discussion point too. It's going to lead to some interesting development for individual players. I hope with that extra yes. year. 100%. So, um, but yes, talking about uh, schoolboy footy. Mm-hmm. That's what you wanted to talk about, Hamish. Um, yeah, and you can go through, yeah, I, th- I think a, a junior chat just by itself would be fantastic. And, you know, those who are really interested can dig deep, uh, whether that's on here or on the tip sheet. Um, you know, you can find both of those. Bit of a collab, maybe. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they are. A Ooh. meeting of the minds. Avengers oh. Assemble sort of stuff. I like it. Because the 60s get out for much of the juniors or? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, 60s gets out yeah. to plenty of junior footy. Yeah, he's up there with Ham and I. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have an all-fair discussion about collab there yeah, and get perhaps the, uh, release a joint episode there. My people will get in touch with your people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do the Ghostbusters and cross the streams. <laughs> um, yeah, serious talk now. Um, 100% serious on the Power Podcast. Um, Schoolboy 
footy still going. So um, a huge contingent of Eels uh, players in uh, Patrician Brothers Blacktown uh, won their game 52-22 to 22 against St. Greg's. Um, for those that want to watch it, I believe there's highlights on the Daily Telegraph, maybe on nrl.com if you can find it, maybe. Yeah, if you've got a, a telly subscription, you can log in and see it. Um, and like Ham said, there might be highlights somewhere that they post in the article. So uh, if you can find them, it's um, good viewing because there's a number of Parramatta stars uh, across a few teams, but especially uh, the team that's fielding Sean Russell and um, young Jake Arthur, who were absolutely sensational before. I think Sean Russell banged up his knee at halftime. Um, yeah. But uh, Jake was that—that that is as good as I've ever seen Jake Arthur look. He um, took oh. complete control of the game. Uh, was running to the line, looked a threat of the ball in hand, passed comfortably. I mean, barely had to do any clearing kicks because he was just attacking so fluently in general play. But um, yeah, he was all over the place in a good way. But yeah, you know, we've seen Jake since he was playing Howard Matthews um, two years ago, and sort of a, a, a slight on his game was that he was a bit small, didn't take the line on. Um, geez, he's bulked up and taking the line on like a back rower. So um, I think that's huge for his development there. Um, there was also uh, a few other Eels players I thought had a good game. Um, Jonte Jr., Beetham Mesa. The hyphen. Barrel. Yeah, he had a great game. Um, you know, scored two tries. Um, Bailey Nurudin, who was the hooker, um, he's also in our SG ball squad for next year. I thought he uh, squared the defense up, ran when he needed to. Uh, yeah, and the, even on the other side of the field, we had um, the young number six, Charlie Geimer. We got him in our Harold Matthews um, development squad there. So I thought, I know this is going to be a big, big comparison, and but just the way he passed the ball and it was just so effort, effortlessly reminded me of a, of a young Tim Smith. Mm. I know that's going to be, I know that's a poison chalice, and Ooh. you know I'll probably be hounded down for it. But if you get the chance, like. When you watch the game, I'm not saying he's Tim Smith. I'm not saying he's good as Tim Smith. I'm not saying any other part of his game is like Tim Smith-like. But just when you see the way he's left left to right, right to left, he was just cutting out players and it was just effortless the way he was passing the ball. And, um, yeah, um, I, we only ever really saw one season of uh, Tim Smith at his best and I'm not going to put that pressure on uh, young Charlie Guy because he's only um, 16 turning 17. So, um but yeah, I just I like the way he passed the ball. He took the line on a few times there, so it was um, you know for a what would be a young player in this competition. I thought he did pretty well on on a on a lose beaten team on a well beaten team. I will say. Yeah, like Patrician Brothers had just such a stacked lineup between the Parramatta oh. and Penrith talent that were littered through it. Um, you know, it was you know you're never going to say games decided before the balls kicked off, but it was like odds were stacked against Charlie and the boys on the other side. Hundred oh, percent, and you know I think. Patrician Brothers were the only team to increase their points differential from round one to round two. <laughs> so, And that's saying something because it is a knockout competition. So these were the teams that won in round one. Yeah. So um, that's huge. And then obviously we had um, Hill Sports High beat Holy Cross Ride. Um, I know Parramatta had a few plays in there. I'm going to say Drew Lloyd played fullback. Lloyd. Lloyd. Daniel Reedon. And there was a few others in there. Who escaped me, and then uh, Westfield Sports High, who going to say Caleb Torhey, who I assume will be in our Jersey Flick squad. Uh, they won sixteen twelve. So all three teams with uh, uh, Eagles representation have gone on to next week, and surprisingly, they've announced uh, the third round, which is Westfield Sports High versus Hill Sports High, uh, Wednesday fourth of November eleven a.m. with Patrician Brothers Blacktown versus Endeavour Sports High. 
um, playing at 2.30. So I imagine that they haven't announced a ground, but I imagine they'll be playing um, at the same ground on the same day. So, um, yeah, keep your eye out there if you can't get it when it's eventually announced. Um, try and watch it on the Daily Telegraph on, or I'm sure uh, NRL.com will have some highlights eventually. Sounds good. Really good chat there for the for the junior stuff. So we look forward to uh, to hearing some more news out of those uh, junior carnivals when it comes to hand. Um, I don't know when we'll if if that's this year or next year. We'll wait and see. Uh, all right. Well, then to wrap it up, other footy chat. The only other real footy was uh, we already touched on the the women's uh, grand final, but then uh, Penrith and Storm Storm uh, racing out Sorry, winners. I'm just, I'm just <coughs> choking. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I don't know if they'd classify it a choke if you went into the game as underdogs. Uh, oh, but certainly no, they joked. They, they were really blown <laughs> out of the water in that first half. And, um, you know, I, I thought Ivan Cleary, the decision to start Tyrone May was pretty much fatal. And I think we already touched on it that uh, kick out with one of the worst grand final games you've ever seen. It was actually Barry Crocker. Yikes. If you want to hear how bad the Supercoach system is, at NRL.com on Supercoach? Oh, whatever it was. Uh, he was the Supercoach is the Daily Telegraph one. NRL.com is NRL Fantasy. Uh, which I think it was the NRL.com one. He was the fifth best player in the game, according to those points. Excuse me? <laughs> what, in the grand final or in the, no, across in the, the grand final. In the oh, grand wow. final. Didn't he have like four errors? I don't know how you can recover I think from that. I saw, I, I oh, saw the, it was five or six. Hang on, let's go have a look at the, the Gus Gould effect. They're on top. Well, yeah, down 16-0, but on top, by the way. So I'm pretty sure It was either the fifth Best in the game or fifth in the Player stats. team? So according to NRL.com, who are the main keepers of information, given that they do run the game? Let's go find the error column. Nathan Cleary had 78 fantasy points. So, Amazing for someone who didn't show up until the Storm had 11 he points. Missed, he missed three tackles and had an ineffective tackle as well, Viliama Kikau. And where are my errors? And he had five errors and two penalties and one ruck infringement, or all, all built to his name. So that is an all-time Barry Crocker. Yeah, I, I, you know, we can all hate Storm and, you know, everybody does, but uh, far out. I have to say, some of the uh, – Ryan Pappenhausen, he's probably one of my favourite players in the game outside of the Eels. He's got a, he's got uh, a shit haircut, but he's a great player to watch, isn't he? He just goes – he's like Sonic. He just puts the head down and goes fast. And, like, the same thing for Addo Carr. He's just so good. Um, and even Justin Olam, I, you know, I know he – took the head off of Mitch Moses during the season. Uh, but, you know, the king of PNG, he's just uh, he's something to marvel at as well. And um, they're going to be losing a fair few players uh, next year, you know, with their two wingers going. I think they're losing uh, Tino's moving on. Uh, there's a fair few players to to move out. And well, the big question, which uh, is on uh, a certain ex Eels one game player mind, uh, Mr. Kent, is whether or not uh, Captain uh, Smith, Smith uh, will uh, play on next season, and and hopefully the big bad man is gone. Um, <laughs> hopefully we we can uh, make it stop. Get the two things in one. You know, you get Cameron Smith retiring and Penrith losing a premiership to make him retire. Uh, you know, does it uh, um, get much better than that? I don't it think so. Cockles of my heart. <laughs> uh. Uh, but yeah, yeah, what can you say? Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. After Isaiah Yo with 56 points, according to NRL.com's fantasy points, Viliami Kikau was next best Panthers forward with 43. Wow. 
but yeah, the, it's been touched on by the commentary. Uh, I don't know how you can have Gould in commentary on a Panthers game, especially a grand final, because that first half call was just embarrassing. That was brutal. And <laughs> it, 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 was, it was really watching somebody not believing what was in front of their eyes and couldn't accept reality. And, uh, you know, I think they did a disservice to Gould to have him in commentary. Like, I like to listen to the podcast Six, six and Last or Six Tackles with Gus because it just... I think in some of his takes he's okay. He but obviously when knows it comes so much to, about footy, but when it's on a live mic in a team that he obviously is deeply invested in, it's just yeah. it's a conflict of interest. <laughs> and I like you that, know, I hate when people say they don't have bias because he is one of the most biased commentators, and his takes are biased. And you know, he he wants the rugby league of bloody thirty years ago, <laughs> and it's gone, it's dead, it's not coming back. <sighs> and it's just, yeah, I I think I might have to unsub from six tackles with Gus Ooh. unless they 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 um release a grand final one. I want to hear this this continuation of this mental breakdown over the Penrith losing. Well, his his takes on Twitter after are pretty funny too. He was just spamming emojis and. And sort of had lost the trust. The, the but, um, but it was the biggest backhanded compliment to the Melbourne Storm. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, Cameron Smith said if the game went two minutes longer, oh, you don't know what might have happened, and that's because they had two fucking players in the bin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. okay. um, all right. Well, that wraps up NRL chat there uh, this year, but for Origin coming up, and yeah, we hope to see those Eels players in the. Uh, game day team. Uh, then over to, to Birdie for some off-season chat. How about them Cowboys? Uh, Birdie's left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, you do be like that sometimes. <laughs> you know, like I had high hopes this, um, this season, just thinking, you know, new coach, um, he could, uh, he's a winner. Like, I just thought he could help us, but I was sort of a bit biased seeing the signings of like Griff- uh, Everson Griffin, Don Terry Poe and all that, and I'm thinking, yeah, and C.D. Lamb, you know, through the draft, but Realistically, our defense is shit. Like, if we played LSU last year, if we played the the National College Champions, I reckon we'd get torch. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase kills us. Like, we've got no one on defense. Our offense, we've got we've got literally um, everyone's injured. Literally, you can get. I'm sure they pick someone up from the crowd each week to play. Like, we've got we've got that much injuries, and you know, it's just a testament to what Dak did. When you know, with the same O line, he at least you know got us two wins or you know one win before he you know smashed his ankle. But Mate, I'm on the team tank now, man. Tank for Trevor or tank for like defensive picks, but I'm the just... problem. The problem is, if you win the NFC East, you like immediately jump to like number nineteen or something on the draft. It's crazy. You, yeah, you, you go from Washington like, football team is going to win that division. Oh, let them off. I'll, I'll take anyone to win. I just give us the give us a spoon if you can, because you, you, we're talking, you know, potentially top five pick to like twentieth pick and. You know, like I looked at a few mock drafts. Um, Philadelphia Eagles go from Jamar Chase, the number one receiver in the group, the group or in the, the draft, to potentially the fifth or sixth best receiver. Like it's sort of stupid because you look at the NFC West. You know, forties teams in it. Someone's over there is going to be playing on the road, and we're going to be playing them. And it's just it's a flawed system, I believe. Like it's just so stupid. But you know, um, one one thing it's done it's humbled me because I I took it for granted how good you know um, we were dominating the division. But now, mate, I'm just you know, we've got to work hard and, yeah, it got a bit, humbled me a bit, but, yeah, looking forward to um. But all I can say is up the fucking race. My Tampa Bay race, mate. <laughs> I know they lost the other day, but, wow, we, man, underdogs. Is it going to the final game of the seven-game seven, seven game series? Is it at two all or is it three all? I can't remember. I think it's three-two. It was three-two as of yesterday. There wasn't a game today, was there? Yeah, no, no, there wasn't. Sorry, I saw yeah. it when it was two-two. So, yeah. and, and that's with the Rays are down. Is that right? Three yes, two. Rays yeah. down three-two. Yeah. 
Yep. So, so they've essentially got to win two games to win it. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, um, I think oh the NBA draft is like in within a month, and you know my Timberwolves got the number one pick, so most likely gonna get Lebron Melo ball. But other than that, uh, when it come on the weekend, I actually had to get up about four a.m. No, I got up at three a.m. to watch Ty win. And then I watched um, another Aussie got knocked out within 17 seconds, I believe. Um, Mark Toom, whatever his name is. And then yeah, I just watched Whitaker. It's good to see him. Um, Bobby Knuckles. Yeah, obviously Easy doesn't want to fight him and he was cheering for the other guy. But yeah, he was clinical. He's a different person. I tweeted out he's a different fighter than before. He's much more um, composed and he um, he used his speed a lot before he lost to Easy. But now he's he's actually striking more. And you can tell if he's watched the fight, like he outstriked the guy and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just yeah. I think it's yeah. If, and if you read the article, why he had a break, like you realize this guy is legit. He's he's only twenty seven or not? No, twenty nine, I believe. And you know, is he's thirty eight and he's a champion. He's dominated, so he's got plenty of time. And yeah, I've never lost faith in him. So yeah, yeah. That's my- the rise and rise of um of Rob Whitaker has been awesome, and it was so um sad to see him have that little downturn with the injuries in the part like, in the recent times. So it was good to see him come out and and reestablish himself as one of the premier names. Um, in UFC. 40. Yeah, unfortunately, my Seahawks botched the game against the divisional rivals in the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. It was there to win multiple times, and then play calling got really conservative. Russ threw a pick or two. The defense couldn't stop anything. So um, they, they have an awful record of 5-1 and one now, which is uh, equal best in the NFC if you're mob the Packers. So um, we're still shooting out for the first seed of you guys, and it's going to be an interesting race whether this, the Seahawks trade for some defensive um, pass rush. I know that Carlos Dunlap wants out of the... Um, the uh, the bungles and that your mob birdie are trying to farm out the uh, Minnesota guy you got um, yeah Everson Griffin. Griffin yeah because he's been pretty meh for you guys so mate, give us a give us a bloody half used hot dog or something yeah, mate, yeah anything you, you'll take us. our seventh round conditional pick and you'll like it god damn hey, it if we trade with the Texans we probably might get a first round pick no Bill, Bill O'Brien's gone man so you don't get that anymore I don't know what the new guys like but. God, he made some bad trades, including giving the Cardinals DeAndre Hopkins, which I'll forever be unhappy about. But yeah, aside from that, um, Seahawks going great. Um, Bobby Whitaker's going really good. The, I mean, my my Mariners never made the finals for a long time, but I am riding Birdie's team in the race because they are the ultimate underdogs. Um, I think I saw a screen cap Birdie, and I think three like they took three of the LA players amongst their pitchers and like their premier outfielders, and that covers the entire payroll of the Tampa Ray team, which is just insane. Yeah. Just I think insane. it's like we got we're like thirty eight million, I that believe. Sound, that sounds about year. right. And between like three of their there's a lot of good players on the LA Dodgers side, they can cover that payroll easily. Mm. And that's just it's crazy. It's truly David versus Goliath, you know, like one of the biggest names in the in the game versus like a team that's that has no fans and they're most likely gonna move to Montreal, like does anyone in Canada play baseball? Like, yeah, that's a good that's, question. Um, yeah. the, the Rays are like the shiny example of analytics. Um, their approach to drafting, to free agency, and how they have a tackle talent identification and talent development um, is second to none. And that's why they've been in such a fantastic position. So, like I said, ultimate underdog story, and I really hope they can get up. Even though, to be fair, the Dodgers, for as much as a glamour team as they are, they were probably the team that was cheated the most by the Houston Astros in the last couple of years. They ran into them in, a, in the World Series or two, so that probably um they're probably due for a World Series, just not against Tampa, please. Ham, uh, West Ham have had a pretty good month. Football birdie would know all about that. Yeah, I've left the chat again. <laughs> uh, out of the, in the past month, out of, I think it's possible twelve points we've picked up eight, which include a, a draw against Tottenham after three down three nil and a draw against Man City on the weekend. We got Liverpool up this week, so um, we got that. Um, 
what else have we got? We've got Cody Rhodes winning the AEW title back off Mr. Brody Lee um, in a dog collar match. <laughs> what else have we got? Um, oh, shit, he's talking about UFC. Talk about talk about the real stuff, real professional wrestling, real wrestling. Um, I believe John Moxley has a title matchup against, say, Brian Cage, but I wouldn't know. But there's a big tournament to see who's going to be the next the number one contender for the AEW World Championship, which I'm very excited about. My tip's Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, the man that uh-huh. once wrestled an inflatable doll and put on a great show doing it. Yep, and a nine-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he got like hurricaned by a nine-year-old girl. That was awesome. So you can keep your fixed UFC, United Fixed Championship. <laughs> I'll keep my real wrestling, thank you very much. It's still real to ham, damn it. And then on to me, uh, Packers back on the winning or in the winning circle this week. Uh, hey, we're trip down one, Texas. aren't we? Yeah, five and one. I think we're the top seeded team in the or outside of uh, um, the Steelers in the AFC, but the top seed in the NFC now that uh, the Bears had a loss today against. Uh, do you the, do you hold better divisional matchups in Seattle at the moment? Because we're both five and one, so you might have more like more conference wins inside the NFC, maybe. Yeah, I think we must do because we've pretty much only played NFC teams. I think Texans was our first right. AFC that team. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think we'd have a much better points differential than you guys. That's I think like, you guys got like the worst the, points differential in your uh, conference. That's like the fifth or sixth tiebreaker in the NFL. It's crazy. You go through so yeah. many things before <laughs> you get to the differential. Imagine if it comes down to a flip a coin. Don't they do that? At, at, at the end, point? after like eight or nine qualifiers, and you'll eventually just flip a coin. Yes. It's pretty funny for home field advantage throughout the entire finals. Like, what a huge up until the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, also, I think you get the week off, don't you? Isn't it the top, so top two? Top, top C, top, no, top, top C top gets a bye this year. They've expanded the playoffs yeah. temporarily, but they're probably looking at doing it more if they can because, like the NRL, more finals means more money. So, yeah, which is a bit frustrating, but yeah, it's essentially you have to be the top seeded team in your division to get a bye this year. Um, so, yeah, it's massive. It's bigger ramifications than in past years. Um, so, yeah, no, playing really well. Got up at 4 o'clock and watched them against the Texans, which was it was nice to be up 7-0 straight away, and then we just ran on with it. And um, after getting our asses handed to us by, uh, by the Buccaneers the week before, especially their de- defense, which seems to be pretty legit season. Mr. Big Chest off to the Bucks too. Yeah, Mr. Big Chest. Uh, so after game nine, he'll be there. Uh, which, uh, you know, there's no – it doesn't matter to them, does it really? No. no. It works out, it works out. If not, they've got a whole e- other – Exactly. Uh, exactly. So it's just the rich getting richer and not losing anything if it goes wrong. Exactly. Because I think you guys, uh, at least – Russell, meeting, Russell meeting Wilson pushed, pushed hard for it. Yeah, he thinks that, you know, Russell being the um, ultra-religious, like super positive guy he is, thinks that he can help Antonio Brown fix himself and um, pushed hard for it. And then just, you know, obviously the connection of Tom Brady – from their brief time at um, the New England Patriots earlier last year was the the, the difference in the selling point for Antonio to go there. So, I'm, I mean, I'm not too upset that we missed out on him, the guys in that case, although he is very good. Yeah, but again, he's had pretty much two years out of the league now, so. True. So, be interesting to see no, how he handles what happened to, Yeah, at least to uh, the former Steelers running back after a season out of it. So, yeah. See how it plays out, but you guys are in the hardest division in football, so yep. um, any little player would help. That's uh, true. But yeah, we we got to play the Vikings, the uh, the purple frauds yeah. again next week. So uh, they've gotten a little bit better, um, but then again, uh, their their quarterback is a bit of a fraud. Yes, unfortunately, Cousins just does not handle the pressure very well. So we'll see how we go, and hopefully keep the win streak uh, running to two games. Uh, but yeah, um, 
no, very good season so far. Let's keep it up. Uh, then um, I don't think there's much off-season cricket season about to start soon, which will be nice. Um, so I think we're locked in for India to come down here this year, which will be good. Um, That's always a spicy um, uh, battle, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think they were looking at because uh, they've pretty much cancelled any games in Queensland because of their quarantine rules. But they're moving a lot of those one days down to Sydney, and um, essentially, if you want tickets, you're gonna have to snap them up so quickly because there's such a massive Indian uh, expat supporter base here. Um, so any time that there's a, a test Australia India in Australia, um, there's such a big uh, expat base that they buy up the tickets really quickly because um, they're 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 mad um, on the subcontinent there. Uh, so. Uh, looking forward to that. And as I touched on, uh, looking forward to the origin, uh, getting out there on the 11th of November, uh, having a couple of uh, skewy, skewy moimois, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how we go. I, I, I'm quietly confident. But then again, you know, it's it's happened before where Queensland have a far inferior team on paper, but uh, somehow pull off the miracle. Uh, so there'll be no uh, thinking that we've got it won before the uh, a ball is kicked. And I think that wraps us up there. Anyone watch the, uh, the TV show SAS? No, no. I oh saw, I saw God. a little bit of it. it. It's, it's a good sort of trashy TV. Can I just say it went from my favorite TV show this year to the worst in one episode? Because guess who's on it, or guess who was on it? The bitch that started the hatred for the Tigers, Georgina the bitch. Now I don't know how the hell she got on the show, but she should be banished to Western Australia because she was. A, I don't know how. Are they that desperate? Surely get me on that show, like. Why could they catfish her on there? Like, I'd actually watch it if Birdie was on SAS. Mate, uh, let's just say I'll be plugging the podcast every week when he calls me. When they'd be swearing in my ear, I'll be like, yeah, check us out on Para, you know, podcast. I've, I've dealt with worse. I've dealt with worse Tigers fans on Twitter. So, you're nothing, mate. But it's honestly, it's a great show. Like, the way that they swear at them and they're like, sort of like, um, I think the first episode, the Honey Badger started punching on with the um, AFL chick. Like, yeah, they had to actually they've had to square up, yeah. But uh, it's 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 very good. Uh, it's I'll tell you what, it's no um Love Island or Bachelor <laughs> Island or Marriott First Sight, but uh, it is very good. Very, very, very. If you want to watch something really good, search Sam Campbell comedy on YouTube and just sit down and watch the genius of Sam Campbell. He's so funny, Australian comedian. He has my favorite joke of all time. He walks on stage. He goes, "Oh, just finished uh, reading a book, Diary of a Wimpy Kid by Anne Frank." <laughs> Insert crickets. Uh, oh, <laughs> <funny. laughs> so he does a bit. He's a comedian. I'm not a comedian. I'm just a yeah. dickhead. So, um, okay. Well, yeah. I, th- I think we can wrap that. You know, disappointing final season, but uh, for three quarters of the regular season, I thought we we're a really exciting team this year. And um, hopefully, we can build on that with a with uh, lots of off game experience. Uh, sorry, lots of big game experience in the uh, Origin series. And plus also having, you know, another final series under our belt for a lot of those players. Uh, It's only positives for next year. And uh, we'll wait patiently to see if there's going to be any new signings. But uh, given what's happened uh, this week and uh, usually the post-grand final uh, merry-go-round starts now, uh, we'll wait and see that, you know, somebody might, uh, big might come up like, uh, you know, we we snagged Michael Jennings a couple of years ago, um, which I think we were looking at Petahiku, uh, which up until this year it seemed... uh, you know, we'd really won that uh, in getting uh, Jennings instead of Hiku. Uh, but, yeah. Um, Do you think we'll f- get more um, Channel 9 games because we will vote the number one? We're pretty team? close to, to being one of the high. I think we're behind Broncos and maybe one other team as, as getting the most free-to-air games well, on Channel 9. They had a, I think it was an article saying we we're, were the most viewed uh, team all year, like 370,000. That was through Fox, yeah. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, we're, we're the highest rated team. As long as we can uh, play some scintillating football again next year and be right up in thereabouts, there isn't reason, any reason why we shouldn't be up there. And I think the uh, the club, and, you know, they always put out those plans, but uh, they're hoping to uh, get up to 40,000 members uh, after uh, in the, within the next two years. Um, so uh, fingers crossed they can reach those goals. And if you aren't a member, go and sign up for next year. Um, I think they're probably going to do them cheap as well. Have you guys got your notification for renewals as yet? No, I got a I message think, saying that yeah. if you haven't got it, contact the membership, which I'm probably going to have to do since I haven't got yeah, it. Yeah, I think I'll have to do that as well. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, cheers, everyone, for tuning in this year and um, stick around uh, in the following weeks. We'll probably get some junior chat happening and uh, we hope to uh, have some more signing news and some more team news and squad news uh, leading into next year. And, uh, yeah, cheers. Enjoy your off-season after this three-origin game series. Cheers. Yep, stay safe. We raise our voices to the sky, so we're